Hi, everybody. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend, and you're listening to the Book in the Territory Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. This is the artist formerly known as Daryl Van Horn, James Mitchell, the Sinister Minister, and I'm here to let you know I would rather slam my cock in a car door than to miss the dulcet tones of Hard Body Harper, my illegitimate son on Booking the Territory podcast. Who <laughs> messy this is professional wrestler Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wicker Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare, don't you dare miss Booking the Territory. Oh, yeah. This is a one man gang. You're listening to Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to Booking the Territory, the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast, where today, Bruce Mitchell returns. Bruce, how you doing, man? Doing fine. Good day. Safe. I was, I was oh, looking at something on Skype a second ago, and uh, you were last on in September of 2018. Wow. Look what <laughs> Tom, you did. <laughs> Tom flies. Tom flies when yeah. you're having fun. Yes, it does. We have a good yeah. subject to talk about. Yeah, we do. We do. So uh, you were telling me before the show, you've been surviving. You're hanging in there during this pandemic and whatnot. So that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, everybody's safe. Everybody's healthy. So I'm I'm happy for that. I hear you. Uh, let me ask you one thing before we jump into this topic on the gangsters. Have you uh, found any like uh, given that I guess I don't want to say you've had extra time, but given that you've got a little bit different time on your hands, have you delved into anything classic wrestling wise that you that you had been wanting to do for a while or maybe not? You no, know, I am so happy you asked me that. And, and here's why, because I can say this. I'm not exactly sure all the places it's coming from. Um, and so I don't want to, like, not give the person. Uh, credit for it but i give whoever it is i'm giving them a, a ton of credit there is a ton of continental and southeast from like 1980 i think right from when ron fuller took over or or, or started it um all the way through i think to like 1989 and, and some of it's cut up and some of it's different places but you're talking about the, you know, Ron Fuller and Bob Armstrong and, and, um, the, the Rat Patrol and, and Arn Anderson and, and Jerry Stubbs and that stuff. Um, and Charlie Platt. I mean, I'm like, it, as much as it's fun to watch Gordon Soley, it's kind of Gordon Soley toward the, when, you know, toward, you know, down the road a little bit. And Charlie Platt's really good. I've, I've really enjoyed watching a ton of that. And there's, there's been some, um, there's been some Crockett from the eighties that, uh, that hadn't turned up yet. And, um, and then there's always, I always look at it like this, um, Jerry Lawler and Jimmy Hart. If you can, if you can hit that time before Jimmy Hart went to the WWF, I mean, that stuff and, you know, Bill Dundee and all that, that stuff is, is a, is a lot of fun to watch. Believe it or not, I look more for promos from those times than I do for, um, than I do for classic matches. I look for, and the promos are so good and, and so much fun and so much about one guy being mad at another guy and wanting to fight. And, you know, it, it's a lot more, you know, instead of this, 
I should have the I should be the face of the promotion or I should lead the locker room and all this stuff we hear now. It's just that that's my old man rant. I mean, just like you're paying to see a fight. Talk about you want to kick his ass. And that's what they do. So, um, yeah, when I'm, I'm looking for comfort food, that continental um, that continental southeast stuff from the um, early 80s is, is a lot of fun. That's funny you say that about looking for promos, because Doc and I have talked about this a, a bunch of times on the shows. We, we we said, like, it's been like three or four years ago now we first said this, but we were like, we could we said, can we, can we admit that we actually love and, pardon my French, the shit-talking promos more than we actually like the wrestling? Um, because that's what I do. Like, I go back, and when I'm looking at old stuff, I, I look at the promos. Like, I'm... That's my big thing. Like, I want to go through the promos. I want to, I want somebody like like Arn Anderson always used to do, just to look into that camera and look into my soul and explain to me why he's going to kick this guy's ass. And that's what I always go for. Or so, lie to me. He was so good at taking something that was true and just twisting it a little bit into a lie. And telling the story with it. I mean, I mean, and yeah, and 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 like he's gonna kick this guy's ass. And you knew the guy was gonna kick his ass, but he, you know, and Arn was our guy. And it was right. um, you know, it was a bucket list thing to do the first um live uh Arn Anderson thing and take Conrad Thompson's place. I mean, that was a lot of you know, Arn Arn, Arn was our guy and for those promos and all that, like, but there's um yeah, I mean, there's a ton. I, I was a promo guy before I was a wrestling guy because you would watch the shows to watch the promos. The good matches, you'd have to go pay to see. And um, and then I was, you know, I come from late '70s Mid Atlantic, which was which was a great a bunch of talent, and it was, you know, they drew the money by the promos, and that's that's where it is. I think the wrestlers today are better and uh, more athletic, and they. And I know there's a lot, and I'm not going to get into like the, the complaints, but it's like a lot of it is people complaining that aren't watching, but they, they really, um, they really tell stories well physically, but the, the shit talking, the, um, the promos, there's very few that can stand up with an Ernie Ladd, that can stand up with an Arn Anderson, that can stand up with a Ric Flair or Jerry Lawler or Bill Dundee and, and, um, there's a lot, you know, or, or, you know, and he was corny as all get out, but Bob Armstrong, like just coming out and being a hero, being a, if you can have the, the, the baby faces, then the, then the cheaters can lie. But if everybody's acting the same way, it, it, it hurts. But yeah, I mean, I think the promos, I've talked about this a lot in, in, in my wrestling job. It's like the promos of this era and the last 20 years aren't anywhere as near what they were. I mean, just, just for getting people to want, you know, you should be fired up to see the match, you know, that like you should be fired up to see that guy, fat guy, that guy, and not just, Oh, that's a funny line or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and they could get away, you know, they could have the funny lines. I always talk about, um, Ole Anderson and heck Smoky Mountain wrestling had a lot of funny lines, that were in the right place. They weren't there to be funny first. They were just detail work and trying to get the heat. And it made it, and to me, that's a lot more clever and a lot funnier than just, Hey, I'm repeating what I heard on the tonight show or, you know, what, what Jay Leno said or, or Jimmy Kimmel or whoever it is. I'm repeating whatever the cool catchphrase is. It's the, um, 
you know, and then also nobody talks for 20 minutes, you know, stands in front of someone and they want to fight and talks to them for 20 minutes. And that stuff is so, um, not, you know, not, um, relatable, but yeah, the promos I've always, I mean, I'm, a, if it, instead of like blabbing on like this, I've said this a lot too. My favorite thing in professional wrestling has stayed the same for, for 40 years. And it's this localized promos for territories. Um, the, the guys, you know, the, um, Rich Landrum standing there with a, with a, a microphone telling where the show is and then handing it to the good guy and then 45 minutes handing it to the bad guy and then, and the, and, and the wrestlers talking about the club in the town, you know, the, the good clubs in the, in the town and where they were going to be and what happened on the last show and trying to top each other. Rick Flair versus Roddy Piper doing that's one of my favorite things ever. It still is. And, um, you know, yeah, the localized, localized promos. And even in the nineties, they started losing it and, and Smoky Mountain wrestling brought it back. You know, Smoky Mountain wrestling had those. And, and of course, you know, something that Corn, Jim Cornette was a master of, but they also had, you know, they had Ron Wright and they had a bunch of guys that could, that could talk that trash. And, and yeah, you need that. You definitely need that. So you're leading me to the reason I wanted to bring you back. Uh, Cause it has been a while. It, it was September of 2018. Last time you were on and you and I, you probably don't remember this. It's probably been close to yeah, a year we now. About, I think we fought about the, the we thought about New Jack and, and we were going back. We were going back and forth about smoking about New Jack and the gangsters. And Bruce, uh, I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, let me state my feelings on it, because I, I Twitter, a lot of times you can't communicate what you really want to say in long form. It's just, you know, it's it's a Twitter is just not the place to discuss things. You disagree on things with your friends or anyone about. But it, in my opinion, but. So for me and Doc and Harper, my co-host that I've done the Smoky Mountain show with now for uh, almost three years and nine months as we come to an end of it, is we loved the gangsters in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And we 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 understand. I think I understand your point. Um, I've, I've heard your points about how um, you correct me if I'm wrong, like you thought Corny was trying to start a race war and, and all no, these different things. No, I didn't think oh, I, okay. 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 That's what I say. Correct yeah. me. Correct okay. me, Bruce. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, okay. But I know, I know I, I take it at least. Well, let me say it like this. I think you, I think you didn't like it, but we loved it because we felt, well, he was trying to do something that, you know, to, to, to spark things in his territory. And then let me say one more thing too, from a story Tracy Smothers told me when he was on the show a few years ago, Tracy Smothers and I were talking about when they brought the gangsters in. And the day the gangsters debuted in that small gymnasium, Ricky Morton was watching the monitor when when the gangsters went out and and Ricky Morton was like, um, man, we're about to make some money with this. So even even a guy like Ricky Morton, according to Tracy Smothers, was like, man, they and wait, I'm saying debut. I can't remember. I, I can't remember if it was the day they debuted or, yeah, or after but the point, whenever, when he first saw them. Yeah, when he yeah. first saw him. He was like, oh, Jimmy, we're about to make some money with this. So I go back to what I'm saying. I think there was a lot of racially, obviously motivated things in the angle, but we loved it. We thought that, you know, hey, they're trying. There were some crazy promos. I mean, New Jack, we got two less to worry about. I mean, he said some insane things, but we really liked it. We thought it was we thought it was good TV when New Jack and the Gangsters were in Smoky Mountain for their run. Now, again, I think you differed with our opinion on it and i just i wanted to talk to you about it just to kind of understand more why you 
didn't like it so much and correct me if I misstated anything. No, no. And, and well, here's the thing. Um, you know, what you're saying is true. Like for you, it's like you liked it. Your friends liked it. You enjoyed it. That's all. And that's something I'm not, um, you know, that I'm not taking away from that at all. I thought it was bad business. And, um, and, and I thought from, I was in a car and, and, and traveling around Smoky Mountain for a week or so around the time of, of the pipe, big pipe of Kentucky show when, um, when the Rock and Roll Express had their showdown with the Heavenly Bodies and one of the best shows I ever saw, Loser Leave Town and, and all that. And, and for a day or so, I was traveling with Cornette and he was telling me about this idea for the gangsters and um, how there's no such thing as too much heat. And that was what I wrote about. There is some, there is something, there's too much thing. There's, there's such a thing as too much heat. And, um, that was, and, and what I did, I went to, and I proved it because I wrote, I thought I was writing something that was so ridiculously racist that it was laughable, but it was also like, would make the point. There's something that's too much, you know, there's too much heat and, and Cornette, it made Cornette furious and he's been furious with me to this day. Um, and there were parts of it. Like I used some of the names of the, uh, some of the women who worked in Smoky Mountain wrestling and I checked it out with them. I said, do you think this is funny? And they're like, yeah, okay. They're like, yeah, we love it. And then, you know, when Cornette reacted the way he did, they, some of them changed their mind. Some of them didn't, but, um, but here's the thing, but here's the thing. It didn't work. Like I didn't think it would work and it didn't work. Like his business went down and they had, and they had, you know, race ride is such a, a what they're, you know, such a term. Like right now, today is where I'm recording this. I would say um, what I would consider race riot is going on right now in Minneapolis. That it's um, that there are riots going on, and they are motivated by um, a, a feeling of, of people of hopelessness of not having any racial justice and wanting to see some justice and trying to take it into take it out of the legal system where they have no faith and, and, and taking it into the street. And, you know, and, and what it always does to me is, is damage the very neighborhoods that, that are being damaged already. But that, uh, but anyway, that's a race, ride. I'm not sure what, um, what happened in smoke and, and, and wise Virginia was a race, riot, But that is what, um, that was what the, law enforcer, enforcement said, and I also, and I think Cornett's even said this, and he never admits to anything wrong, and I think that's, you know, a, a real a real bad thing, but he's, he said this in not in so many ways, but when you're um, running it, you know, when you're the owner, and you're the promoter, and you're also the lead heel, and you're getting enough, and you're Caucasian, and your um, wrestlers are Caucasian, and you're getting in a fight with some black kids, and you're caught, and you're there's no um, there's no rules in a cuss war, and you're calling them the N word, and what you're going to do is take a bad situation and make it a lot worse. I mean, part of it is part of the deal is make your money, keep everybody fairly safe, and get the hell out of Dodge, and come back the next time and make some more money. And if you're not allowed back and you've left a bad, you know, if you left a bad taste, then you've done bad business. My thing was this was bad business. I also thought um, that Cornette, Cornette doing what he did, he set up the gangsters as um, as these heels. And I bet you didn't hate them. See, part of my point with this stuff was um, 
that he was coming into what he thought, you know, he thought was, you know, and it was rural areas up in the mountains and that those kids weren't listen, weren't watching TBS and they weren't watching USA and they were, they had satellite television. They had, you know, I, I lived in Beckley, not just a few years before that. And, um, I could tell you, it's like, you know, technology was making the world smaller. And he thought, you know, since they're not promoting all the time and I'll be promoting here, I'll have a local promotion. And that was, um, you know, and that was the, the big mistake where it wasn't going to be ever seen as, as major league. And I wish that that wasn't true. I like Smoky Mountain wrestling a lot and I wish it wasn't true, but, um, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't have, um, whoever is on top in, um, you know, Bret Hart and the undertaker and whoever in, in WWE and, and, and WCW sting and, and everybody else. And, and then, then headline with the rock and roll express and the, and the fullers and the goldens and, and the guys from years ago. And, you know, in something that seemed like it was, um, that seemed like it was minor league and it was actually a better run in a lot of ways creatively, but it was minor league. And, um, but anyway, Cornette took himself and had, you know, and, and New Jack was a really talented talker. You know, those guys are bad wrestlers, but they were really talented talkers. Had them say those, those things that got them in trouble. You know, they got, they got the stations mad at them. They got them all that. And they didn't make more money off it. I understand getting more heat, but more money. But they weren't making more money off it. Then he turned himself babyface, managed the – managed the rock and roll express. And to me talking to him, I thought this is a guy that was tired of hearing Reverend Al Sharpton and wanted to talk back to Reverend Al Sharpton. So he brought in the closest wrestling thing you could have, which was, um, you know, which was Jerome Young from Greensboro, North Carolina playing new Jack and, um, and did it. And then, um, and then did, you know, and, and the crowds went down and they did that stuff, but he got to, he got to make his speeches, you know, Cornette got to make his speeches back and, um, and, and do that stuff. But it was um, something that it, it damaged the company when it didn't need to be damaged. And he was going for home runs because the other thing he was, other thing he was doing a lot of was a lot of bait and switch that he'd seen in Memphis and it worked in Memphis um, because Memphis had also delivered a ton of times and Smoky Mountain was still, you know, two or three years old and, it didn't work there. And so he wasn't used to like hearing some back from that. And, and he wasn't happy with that, with that criticism of bait and switch. But I mean, the thing with the, the thing with the gangsters was there there is a wrong kind of heat. If you're causing people in the crowd to get into fights, if you're causing them to, um, if you're causing somebody to get so upset, they're going to come get the gangsters and kill them. Then, and wrestling's had that type of heat before, and you're not making more money at it, then that can be a problem. You can say things, you know, it's an art to it. And Cornette's been, you know, an artist at it in, in many ways. He's not now, but in many ways, he was really good at going to, right to the limit and not too far and drawing the money. And then also calming everybody down before they left by, you know, taking the beating or having Ronnie Garvin, you know, beat his ass after he um, threw the fire at him or, you know, or what he did with baby doll. It's, um, you know, it, there's an art to it. There's an art to, to going right up to the edge and, and not too far. And with the gangsters, yeah, it was entertaining, but it hurt. 
I mean, some of what they did, and some of what they did, being scared in the in the graveyard and all that, that's um, Amos and Andy time. Like, th- they did some of that crap. But, um, you know, the old, the old um, black people are scared of spooks and, th- and that kind of crap. And, um, and that's just offensive. But, but that's where, um, you know, and some of the things they did along that way, it hurt the promotion. And that's where I would say, like, if they thought it was going to be money, maybe they did. And and maybe they looked at it and thought it was going to be money, but it wasn't. You said you said a couple of things, and I, just so we don't confuse anyone out there, I know you yeah. had brought up Weiss, Virginia, and I, and I mentioned the whole race riot thing. That, that to, to, to be fair, that was before the gangsters, and um, I, I did read Wade's report uh, years later. Uh, the and, I, I get really confused about that. Was that before the gangsters? I thought it was after. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was. No, no, no. It was, it was Weiss, Virginia. That happened before the gangsters, but I want to say something about okay. that because I totally agree with you. Um, I read the report and um, have read what Corny said about the N-word. Totally disagree with him uh, on that fact. I, I don't that it's in my opinion, it's not, you know, it's not even up for debate. He should not have gone there because all it does is incite things a little bit worse. I hear what he said. I read the article. Um, I think he even admitted to saying it. Um, and yeah, I don't agree with that. Oh, I don't he think very he's, much, he, he's, he admitted he said it. And he justified right. it by saying there are no rules in a cuss fight, right? Which, which you know, he lives his life by. But in that case, there should have been, you know, well, that case should have been. I'm the owner. I'm the promoter. Let's calm this down instead of, um, you know, instead of I'm not backing down. Right. You know, like no. That's that kind of yeah, stuff. I, and even wrestlers, it's like there is, you know, if a wrestler causes a fight and then um, they're banned, uh, and then the promotion is banned from the building where they made money that's a bad deal, you know? Yeah. Well, and in Weiss, like I said, it was before the gangsters. So I don't want, I don't want to confuse the listeners to, to think that that happened. With okay. the gangsters. Confused by that. I'm sorry. No, 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 Bruce. I believe me. I, I am the worst. I, the only reason I remember this so well is Bobby blaze. And I had a long talk about Weiss, Virginia, because he was there and, and Bobby f- totally agrees that word should not have been used but he also as someone who was an eyewitness to it all said it was not a race riot it just was a wrestling riot now did that I word that. i agree with that that wasn't and the thing about that that term it that's why i said like what's going on in minneapolis right now is one but that wasn't yeah. one that was but that was a term that law enforcement used and got quoted in the torch and, and quoted to wade as he wrote that Right. So, so it got legs um, at that point. But it's like I, I disagree with it too. Because yeah. I think there's more to there there's more to a race riot than that. Yeah, absolutely. So I just I wanted to make that point as we talk about the, re- the what everything else. Now, the other thing about the gangsters not working in Smokey. So I, I actually when when Cornet was either the first or second time, he's been on the show multiple times, but either the first or second time he was on with us, we talked to him about the gangsters. And he actually admitted that it didn't work because the big towns, you know, the Johnson cities, the Knoxville's and in places like that, it worked. It was, it was okay. But the little towns, he said it, it didn't work because the people wouldn't come. They were so upset and so offended by new Jack and Mustafa that they just didn't come. And in the other issue, right. he talked about, There's um, too much like, heat. Yeah. there was, yeah, it, it was yeah. literally too much. Wrong heat. Kind of heat. Yeah. The wrong, wrong kind of right. Heat. Yeah. It, yeah, it pushed it. Yeah, yeah. It, 
it pushed the fans away. So I agree with you there. Um, and then he even talked about like, you know, his buddy Ken Cantrell, who, uh, who support, who, uh, listens to this show can like, you know, he was a part of the volunteer fire department and, you know, they, they walk the gangsters to the ring as quote unquote security. And they're getting, you know, threats because they walk these, you know, angry black men to the ring, uh, at, at a, at a few shows. So I, I totally agree with you there from that point of view. One thing I want to mention though, when we talk about them, not the gangsters not working, all of that said, wrestling was also not in a good financial place overall when Smokey was in its heyday. So like, I feel it would be unfair and unjust to like, leave that point out when we say, well, the gangsters didn't work. Cause to be fair, Smokey didn't work as a whole, but it, it, it didn't have anything in my opinion to do with the overall booking of the three years and nine months of the promotion. Is that fair to say in your opinion, would you agree or disagree? Um, I would say it was, everything's in context. Like everything's of the time and period that it's in. And that was the time and period that it's in. And there's no doubt about it. I would say that there were times when um, Cornette booking, when I'm talking about the, uh, these are, these are big, he would bait and switch too often, but no, but as far as like solid booking, yeah, it was um, a solidly booked territory, but I know that he wouldn't have brought the gangsters in. That was a, um, you know, that was kind of a home run uh, swing. I mean, I, I mean, I remember talking to him about before he ever did it. And then he was like, you know, this need, we need something. And they did. And, and then, um, and, and also his idea for, and I don't think of Cornette as a behind the, in, until lately. I don't think of Corn in, until last year or so. I don't think of Cornette anywhere near as like old school, all that, you know, old fashioned stuff. But this was an old fashioned promotion at a time he didn't realize that um, everybody was everybody, including the people in the hollers were watching the same television. And that that part of it, I think, like he couldn't be major league wrestling, no matter how good a job he was doing with the booking and how, you know, and and how southern he did in a, in a you know, in a southern holler. It was it was still going to be not major league. That was, you know, and he got, had that impossible choice of do I bring in, you know, the Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, do I bring in Bill Watts and 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 try to, um, you know, and, and guys from WCW and try to and, and try to poke it there. And they'll think these shows are major league, but they won't come back to the shows with just your with just your regular crew. I mean, it's, um, you know, so, yeah, I, but I think his booking was, you know, was was solid. I mean, it's like you can go back and watch this stuff and it tells a story. And the right people are the heels, and the right people are the baby faces, and and um, it makes sense. And it's not, um, you know, and and it's not, it's not. They start something and they forget about it. So yeah, it was, you know. And I, I loved how he started the promotion. I mean, he he built a foundation. He didn't just start everything on the first show. Um, and so there's a lot, there's a lot that was good with it. But um, but yeah, the gangsters. I mean, it was, you know, it. And, and it was not going, you know, if you're, um, I, I think of it like people always praise Kevin Sullivan in Florida, Kevin Sullivan and the, um, Abuda Dean stuff and all that. And I'm like, I get why, you know, I get why Mark Lewin coming out of the beach is tremendous. I mean, I get that, you know, as far as a piece of entertainment, but they, you know, but the business went down. And, you know, Eddie Graham was having problems and, and Dusty Rhodes didn't want to stay around and he was kind of worn out as a, as a top guy and, and all that. But, um, but it caused them to lose, you know, it caused them to lose business. People stopped coming. People stopped, um, 
you know, they had a harder time booking shows. They had a harder time. They got more complaints than on television stations. It hurt their relations with, with different things because they were, you know, worshiping the devil on TV. And as ridiculous as that, that sounds, I mean, that's part of it too. It's like, is the, um, is the risk worth the reward? And to me, the gangsters in Smoky Mountain turned out not to be. And I didn't think it would be either. I mean, I thought, I thought, you know, if you're, if you're right on, if you're right, you know, that the racial issues are, you know, in America now and back then and, and back a hundred years before that, they are the place that you can, you know, that people's emotions are right on the line and that that is not where you want to be as far as running of performance is is you know so that so that's what i would say it's just like did i think that new jack cut good promos yeah i did did i think that the story made sense yeah i did did i think that um jim Cornette turning himself into um a hero for the white man to talk back to the to the um al sharpton figure i i wasn't crazy about that I thought that was I, I thought that was like self indulgent, but um, see that that's a fair like that's a fair Bruce that's a, let me, I hate to interrupt because you're you're good yeah. you're great when you're on a roll but that's a fair point related to the angle so like when people hear well Bruce Mitchell thinks that bringing in the gangsters and smoking around wrestling just it was not a good idea or he, he didn't like he didn't like it because of this like they don't hear that exact point and that's that's exactly why I wanted to bring you on and talk about it because that part. When you phrase it like that, I I agree with you because he tried to like leverage them in that instance. Now, again, I'm not blaming Corny as much. I mean, I am he's the booker, but the thing is, like, I understand he was just trying to do what was what he felt what was best for his promotion at the time. But I see your point when you oh, say course, you didn't like that of part. Course. Of course he was. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'll say this, it's like Corn, you know, Cornet. This sounds like just the most simple thing in the world, and Cornet was always and, and the most clear thing in the world. Like the whole point of, of professional wrestling is drawing money to your promotion, like drawing business to your promotion, and then making money off of it. It isn't, um, it you know, I hear all this stuff about art and passion and all that, and I'm like, you know, great. You need to like, you need to work hard at your job. You need to figure out ways to do stuff, but you need to be. But if you're drawing money. You've got the art because you're you're building that bond with fans to come, and the fans are get, you know if you watch empty arena wrestling, it's like it's missing something because the fans aren't pouring their energy into it. But also, it's like that's where the money comes, and so all these other things that, that you talk about, it's like he he did it for the business, and he should, and and he did the right things for the business, and, and in this case, I think he did something that that didn't work but um i know i met new jack it's funny to me i had to go to philadelphia to meet new jack but anyway um i met new jack in um after he left smoky mountain and before it was i think the second time he was at the ecw arena and i went up there and i spent like 45 minutes talking to him about smoky mountain and about ecw and he kind of saw it the same way in a lot of ways i remember that and then of course i haven't seen him since and a lot of things have changed since then but um you know, that, um, you know, it was, you know, I, I think like that was the, that was the, and also Cornette was looking for new things to do with the same crew and that, and the crew was aging out, you know, Stan Lane was wanting to go do something else and, and, um, rock and roll, you know, I love them now. I love them then, but it was like, they were older then. And it was, uh, you know, and then wrestling was, was struggling too. the, the, the major league wrestling was doing a bad job. So he had to fight all of that. 
Yeah, so if, he um, and he I went. I did it. I get what he was doing, but I think he learned from it too. I think when he went to, um, you know, when he went to um, work in um, Ohio for Ohio Valley, it's like he started a lot. You know, he did a good job with a lot of talent, and he didn't try to like recreate um, anything there. He tried, to, you know, he tried to, to move on. And I think in Ring of Honor, he was kind of misunderstood some, but it's like he did, he did some stuff there too. Like he he kept up with the wrestling business until just a few years ago yeah i don't know he's on a, he's been he's been ranting as of late on his uh on the well, aew okay. i'll put it like this he kept up with the purpose like yeah yeah i got um, you, I got now, you. It, now it's like it doesn't matter if they draw money they suck i'm gonna shoot them i like i'm gonna do that you know like it didn't work and like well <laughs> you know like kenny omega ruined his career by wrestling with a um sex doll it's like okay i understand that that was an insult i get that but it didn't ruin his career he you know, he headlined Tokyo Dome. He's a top guy now. It's like, he's not, you know, it's like, you know, and that's more a personality thing of, of you're never, if you're never wrong, when, when life proves that you're wrong and you don't learn from it, 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 you just get further and further out on this limb and he's way out on these limbs now, but, um, he didn't used to be and, and he wasn't for a long time. But yeah, this yeah, it's um. But yeah, there was stuff that the 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 gangsters did, particularly New Jack, that I thought was I thought was dead on good promos, you know. But I also think like, but I also think the one that he, what's the one he's most remembered for? I'll ask you that. I'll put it like that. Well, it's hard to it's hard to argue against the first one because everybody reflects back to you know there's two less uh, of you to worry about, and then but let me keep going because I I, I remember so many of these. There's the one with the chicken and watermelon too that he cut. So I mean, like, there's there's a lot to to go from when you talk about New Jack, but those two come to mind, and those are some of the first ones. Yeah, you know, both of them, and and the first one, the first one, I remember watching. Like, I was watching, I was getting Smoky Mountain tapes, and um, you know, Casey O'Connor was there, and, and I was getting had a good source for it, and and um. I remember watching that going, holy crap. But I also knew the look on Bob Cottle's face and that Bob Cottle was, you know, um, not a crazy, you know, like a normal, respectable, mainstream, white Republican American. And he <laughs> was, he, you know, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going for that. And like, <laughs> to me, when you have that. When you lose that, it was like, uh, that's going to be like, I, I thought, boy, that was a lot. That took a lot of balls. And I liked it in that sense. And I laughed because it was just so, it was just so bad. You know, the murderer, you know, the murderer killed two of y'all. And, you know, and then the whole, the whole thing of OJ, who was anything but, you know, a, a black supremacist. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, you know, like that, that he was before that I grew up with him being the, um, you know, being the most likable black man in America before he, before he murdered those two. And oh um, yeah, I mean, as a kid, I remember him doing Monday Night Football. And so I was like, wow, you know, I was like, I was laughing at the audacity of it. And um, but I also thought that's gonna that's gonna cause you tr- problems, and it did. It's like you know they they kind of they lost Cottle over it, and they lost some other things over it. And um, you know, so as it went along, and yeah, and if you got. And you've got this atmosphere in small towns and, and atmosphere, some of the bigger towns too, that was like the wrong kind of thing. If, you know, if, if you're marking the families and, and, and they were, I mean, and I'm not a big, like wrestling should market the families guys, you're marketing fights, 
but but they wanted to have they wanted to have kids come too, and if you create an atmosphere that makes adults scream, you know, kind of squeamish about it or a little, um, you know, n- not so happy, then you're going you're going to lose teenagers, you're going to lose kids, and you're going to lose adults too. And he did, they did. Um, real quick, um, the Bob Cottle thing, according to Cornette, I got this from him when he was on. Uh, Bob was just getting older, driving all these towns, all it, you know, for the TV tapings and bringing his wife. And he just, that's why Bob left. It didn't have anything to do with New Jack. That's what I was okay. told. That's the only reason okay, why I mentioned enough. that. Fair enough. My understanding was that a little bit too. But I think, like, I think a lot of it was it had to be like driving from, um, you know, living in Raleigh and driving to, you know, wherever it is, Tennessee, to do a television taping. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he was getting older, and, and you know he had the job with was Helm still around at that point? But anyway, he had had those jobs. Yeah, I mean that that made that makes sense to me. That, so that's yeah, fine. it's, it's uh, just just I wanted to mention that as as okay. what I was told. Uh, one other thing on smoke, well, actually two other things on Smokey, but one one another big one. Um, I disagree with you and Wade on him bringing in the big names into Smokey, and just hear me out. I. I understand where you're coming from when you bring in an under. And Wade and I might have the same opinion, but the only one I'm going to defend is mine. I mean, it's okay, like, it's okay. All I, can well, yeah. I, I thought, I, I thought, again, okay, and, and people's minds change over time, but I remember reading a, a torch where I think Wade was like, you know, he's bringing in these guys, he's bringing in these big names, and when they leave, then kaput. What, what do we have now? But, but my thing was. I, I totally kind of hear what you all are saying. Like, okay, so you bring these big names in. You bring in a Michaels. You bring in an Undertaker. You bring in uh, Randy Savage. Who are all these guys you bring in. And then when you leave, well, you're just left with these other guys. But at the same time, you're running a business. So you want to try to do anything you can as a business owner to inject a shot of, uh, whether I use the word steroid or re- re- inject a shot of power Adrenaline. into adrenaline into your promotion. So I didn't think personally that when he brought in these guys, these names from these, whether it was WCW or whether, whether it was um, WWF, I didn't think that any, in any of those times that his talent was buried. So that's where my opinion differs to say that it, it, I don't think it hurt them. Now I do see the side you're saying, okay, so you bring the undertaker and you bring Shawn Michaels in and they disappear. And then what do we have left? Uh, you think people are going to show up, uh, just to see, you know, whoever else is on the card and these no name, these, uh, little known guys. So I see that side, but I also feel like, Hey, if you've got that resource as a business owner, use that resource as much as you can to inject the shot of adrenaline into your promotion. So that that's my take on the big names. And I didn't see as big of a problem uh, with it as some do. Well, um, you know, part of it is how you, you know, how you put it. And part of it is also, we can look at the history now. And, and my thing was always major league and minor league. It wasn't so much that, um, you know, it wasn't so much that these are nobodies or anything like that. It was more that, that people want, you know, and, and you see it today. People go, people will go to the NFL games, but they they don't go to minor league football games as much. And I know XFL and, and pandemic and all that. They can kind of take this aside, but um, you know that you know they want you know American culture wants the major league, and so when you act like the stars that come in, like the Undertaker or um, Shawn Michaels or Randy Savage. 
and that makes the show special, then they go away. What you're saying is the next show isn't special, and what makes it and 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 what makes it special is the the major league stars, and and you've you've stopped telling your promotion, you stop telling your fan base that you're the major league. Like that's what you have to do. You need to like say or pretend that you're the major league until you become the major league. You're the major league. Like our wrestling is better. Our wrestlers are t- are tougher. They're bigger stars. They speak to you better than um, than these people from New York or these people from Atlanta, and they're all corporate and they're talking to corporate. You know, whatever it is, how it is, you make your you distinguish them. And then if you look at what happened with Smoky Mountain Wrestling and with ECW um, when they started playing that game with WCW and the and WWE. What happened to how their own fans saw their um, saw the promotion, um, and what happened to and more than that, what happened to their business? They went down, and and then there was always something that would go on. Like I always remember, you know, I always remember Taz getting beat the, in his first appearance, um, turning up on Monday Night Raw, ECW, their first time, and Taz and, and Tommy Dreamer getting punked out accidentally on purpose those things would happen in front of in front of a bigger crowd and then um and then the promotion the numbers would go down and so the temptation is and for a fan yeah you want to see like hell yeah bring in randy savage i want to see randy savage and um and bruiser you know my friend bruiser bedlam i want to see bruiser bruiser bedlam versus randy savage i want to see um but it was it didn't work it didn't work out that way. It just, it, it, it would give them a, um, a small boost, but the hangover wasn't worth it. It sort of reminds me of, you know, as when you're a kid, you can drink, you know, and then go to work and you can do all that stuff. And then as you get older, it's like you have the three hours of fun and it might take, this is just, I'm just talking personally. And it might take me two days or three days to get over it. So like, I don't, I don't, it's not worth it. It's not worth the, um, you know, it's not worth the, the, the short term boost. And I, that's how I kind of, that's how business worked with that stuff. Uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, you can have that, um, if one promotion seems bigger and has more power than the other promotion, not seem bigger, but is bigger and has more power than the other promotion and can, and can kind of screw them like they will then it hurts the smaller promotion in, in the end. And I think that stuff, that stuff did in, in Smoky Mountain and it very much did in ECW too. It was, um, you know, it wasn't quite, and even things like um, the heavenly bodies being so great in Smoky Mountain and such, such a great heel team. And then they go to the other television that everybody's watching and they're lower mid card and they're kind of made into a joke. Like that, that stuff hurts. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't like the old days of, of the territories where if a guy could draw money one place, then they wanted him in the other place at, at the same place on the card to draw money and to be fresh there too. It wasn't, we're going to prove to you that, um, you know, we're going to prove to you that these are, these are mid card or lower or, you know, that kind of thing. And you weren't watching, you know, once, um, I'm trying to think, you know, once Ken Patera left, um, the Carolinas and went to the AWA, 
most of the people in the Carolina Carolinas who were wrestling fans didn't see him, you know, weren't watching him in the AWA. And it would have been fine because they would have saw him, you know, be a top guy. Or they, and they might have seen him, you know, wrestle, a few of them might have seen him wrestle on WOR when he was wrestling Bob Backlund for the WWF. But it, it, you didn't, you know, you didn't see, um, you, you didn't see one guy be on top in your area and then be, and then be a mid card guy in another area that made your area look bad. And and then that stuff, ha- that stuff happened with WWE and WCW and, um, and Smokey and ECW. Your, your point about the heavenly bodies, actually, I agree with that one 100% because you're right. You go up to the quote unquote big leagues and then, you know, you're made a joke of a bit and then you come back and it, does kind of leave a stain that's like oh so you weren't quite good enough to make it up in the big league but now you're back here so like i can and that's not a slight on heavenly bodies i love them but i can like i see that side of it i still feel like as a business owner he was just using the resources of those of being able to get those names and thus for i don't you know i don't disagree with that and i think he's you're playing the cards that you that you have left Right. But um, and but and you got to do something. But on yeah. the other hand, there's the risk reward. You need the reward. You're you're, you're going to take more of the risk. And when the risk doesn't pay off like it didn't, it's, you're going to be you're going to be hurt that much faster. So, it, it, you know, it's sort of like it's gambling in that like, OK, I'll start. Du- I'm losing. So I'll start doubling my bets. Well, yeah, you know, that's that's not necessarily a good idea. No, and that makes sense. And Bruce, just so you know, we had this discussion uh, when Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, when we did those shows, when they were in Smokey, and I had referenced like your feelings on this. So I was I was hoping we would have this discussion before you caught wind of it. And I didn't misquote you or anything. I'd never do that. But I was just thinking, like, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. So like. And I, again, I can I hear your side of it, and it makes sense. Uh, the the little league versus the big league, I get that. That makes a ton of sense. And um, but you know, I, it sounds like you also can agree um, that yeah, you 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 can you use the resources you have, and it's it is gambling. That's a good analogy. You you're doubling down because you're like I got to do something. You know, I got I got I got to do something here to make my make my train keep uh, keep going down the track. So, you know, even at the end, when he made that deal, I was trying to remember this because when you contacted me, when he made that deal to do like he had the advertising, was it the werewolf wrestler or something? You talking about the 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 Wolfman, the Wolfman. Yeah, the Wolfman wrestler is like, you know, I remember when that and I would get those tapes and I was like, I know things are bad. And like, I know that, you know, and I and I get why he's trying to. you wouldn't do that if business was good. And also if it pays off, it can pay off, but the odds are it's not, you're going to take, you're going to take, you're going to gamble more now. And, you know, and it is, and it it turned out to be what it looked like, which is like, you know, what you do in the end, the end game. Although I, you know, one thing about Cornet Smoky Mountain that I, that I always have admired, particularly in the last 20 years is just, when he started realizing that it wasn't going to work, he didn't keep it going just to waste Rick Rubin's money, just to like you know provide everybody with a job. And now we've seen professional wrestling, particularly you know TNA, where it's never worked, and it's wasted opportunity and money, and and it hasn't adjusted to the marketplaces, and it's just and the and and now 
you know, there's a, there's a whole generation, I think, of wrestlers and fans too sometimes, but wrestlers and people who work in wrestling that don't care whether they draw a crowd or they don't, whether they draw money, they care how they are politically so they can keep their job from the one and, and keep getting money from the one fan who keeps giving a, a, you know, an enormous amount of money. And I'm not a person who used the word Mark, but that one money Mark thing or the money Mark family has really done a lot of damage. And, and that's, um, and like he, you know, like Cornette, when he started figuring out it wasn't going to, you know, it wasn't going to work in the long run. He, you know, he, he changed, he learned something from it and, 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 and stopped the business. And, and I like Smoky Mountain a lot too. And I didn't want to like, I didn't want to see it be, um, you know, global wrestling federation on ESPN where it had no chance of making money and it was a bad product, but it kept going on and on and on and on. Yeah, he did. He did exactly what you said. I mean, he, he, he got to the Thanksgiving Thunder Tour in 95 and and he just kind of looked at it and was and you know supposedly there was uh I think Tracy Smothers had a contact that would fund it or this one had a con there were like a couple of different people that would continue to fund it and Corny just was like nope we're done this is it and that was that was the end of it speaking speaking of the end of Smoky Mountain Wrestling Bruce you know we're we're actually in the last month. We've recorded all the episodes through episode 200, but we're in the last month right now of the promotion as uh, as you and I record this. Um the the Wolfman, yes, it's just oh god, um terrible stuff. But um you know there's somebody that I think just makes the promotion bad is uh Tommy Rich at the end too. Um y- your thoughts on Tommy Rich and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I I just think it's just God, listening to him is like listening to an incoherent drunk try to cut promos. But it's just my personal opinion. Your your thoughts on Tommy Rich at the end of Smoky Mountain, if you have any? Tommy Rich is always is interesting me interesting to me in this sense. Um, you know, I grew up as a teenager and a, as a kid, and I still have this part of me, like you know, rock and roll guy, and um, and then you know, as a music guy. And so when you when you get into music, to me, like you get into it when you're like 11 or 12 and um, there's a band that's like your introduction. And for me, this is how old I am. And actually it was, I was younger than this, but anyway, but for me it was the monkeys. Like there's always that, you know, there's that always that boy band, you know, that, that appeals to teenage girls and all that. And once you learn that, like it's for this generation, it's not for your generation, you know, it's okay. And you, and like you learn about music and then you start, you know, you start picking out your taste and, and, and all that kind of thing. And, and Tommy Rich, if you're your age or if you're, um, you know, if you're anything younger than I'd say 50, I guess, but, um, you're not going to get Tommy Rich, but if you go on YouTube and watch and, and, and watch Georgia championship wrestling when it's in its peak, when it's in its heyday, which is like, up to about 1982 or 83, which is about the time when Ric Flair and Bob Backlund have their face off on television. Um, th- anything before that is really, you know, the real heyday when Georgia Championship Wrestling was like Monday Night Raw. They had a, they had their crew of they had the crew of uh, wrestlers, and then they had wrestlers from all over the all over the world that would come because it was the highly rated show that was seen that was seen everywhere. Um, like, you know, like shows are now. And so, um, Tommy Rich was the baby face then. 
and he has a lot of fire. He's like the cool guy for girls. He's the cool guy for guys. He's, you know, country boy can't survive. He had that had that Southern rock, Southern country, um, new country, you know, um, Hank Williams Jr. thing. And um, he's a big deal. He's a big star. And, you know, Terry Funk and, and Dory Funk are running their home territory their father built. And they bring in Tommy Rich and they notice the crowd has changed. Like the crowd is a lot bigger and they're, they're kids wrapping around the building. And they're not there to see Terry and Dory. They're there to see Tommy Rich from um, the Superstation. And that's when they realize we got to get out of running a, running a local promotion. We got to mm-hmm. get out of running a regional promotion because for these people watching this, watching cable television, Georgia Championship Wrestling, which is not anywhere near close to Texas, is you know Mass Superstar and Mr. Wrestling Two and um, Dusty Rhodes and Tommy Rich and Roddy Piper. Those are the um, those are the stars, and so um, so Tommy Rich is like this big big star, and he really was a big big star, and he, you know he wrestled. If he wrestled, he wrestled main events against Harley Race, and you know had that week to win, to win it, and that always made sense to me in a way it didn't make sense to other people. And he would wrestle Ric Flair and and have these big matches and all that. But he was also a guy that you know watching it, and I was his age at that time, um, and I'd been a rock and roll fan, so I knew that like you know drinking and drugging, I knew that it takes a toll. And you could look at Tommy Rich, and he looked young and full of energy and full of fire and all that stuff. And then as he stayed and, and wrestled, you know, Buzz Sawyer endlessly and the, the, you could tell something was wrong. He didn't have it. You know, like he looked like, he looked like the, you know, the guy that ran the high school that didn't go off to college and didn't get a good job or didn't go in the military and kind of stayed around town. And he looked the same, but, you know, it, it showed in his face. He just wasn't, he wasn't, you know, appealing to the young girls anymore. It wasn't. And, um, and then like, it was like that, you know, when he goes into ECW, when he goes into Smoky Mountain and he's, you know, he's just making his living on small wrestling shows and, and drinking and whatever else he was doing. And he was doing a ton of it. And, you know, he took his share of bumps and he took a share of stuff. And, and, and so, he's real torn up and you can like, you know, like I know Cornette's like looking at him like I can get him for this price and maybe, you know, and, and Southern fans will remember him and maybe you can get something out of him and, you know, and also maybe he'll get into shape and straighten up a little bit. And he didn't like, I remember, um, I guess it was 89. Um, when WCW and Jim Hurd just dropped, um, Ricky Steamboat. And Eddie Gilbert got him to hire Tommy Rich, but he got Tommy Rich to like start eating tuna and start get you know like get back into shape. And Tommy Rich came back. It's the last time you saw him in shape, and he came back in shape. And then and then you know having the big loud you know Tennessee accent didn't help if you were like this guy who um you know who looked like you know drank a twelve pack every night. It was um. You know, he was he was the boy band who grew up, you know, and once the boy, ba- you know, a lot of those guys, once they like they're Leaf Garrett or whoever they are, um, you know, once they get past their stardom, they're not there's not much left. And and then they try to hold on to it. And he was like that. Like that was, you know, he was the um, he was the boy band star who stayed around too long. 
and didn't take care of himself. And, and so by the end of, you know, I remember watching that. It's like, I have, I have an affection for Tommy rich, but I also like, you know, I've, you know, he's had a, you know, he's had a tough go round and I don't, you know, you know, what happened with Ricky Morton, um, that's, that's really cool and a miracle, but it's like, it's, it's not the way everything, you know, the wrestler is more the way some of that works for a lot of those guys. Yeah, he was Tommy Richards out of shape. His promos are not all that great. It's it's not good, but the whole end of Smokey is just not good in general. Right. So, oh well, yeah, I mean they're going out of business. I mean it's not going to be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Cornell was burned out, and you know there's a lot of pressure and a lot of stuff, and and um yeah, it w- wasn't. It was. I think of that as a hell of a try and a real try, like uh, you know, and and a hell of a try to preserve something that um, he thought could, you know, he thought you could put into into places that weren't served by served by live wrestling troops, and it was like, but you still had to compete with the television, and that was to me, to me, the lesson is, you know, you either got to look like the major league. And um, and treat your stars like they're big stars, even if they're not, or you've got no chance. And I think that, you know, a lot of indie wrestling um, and even like television wrestling, like Ring of Honor, you know, a lot of these places have not, um, you know, have have not kept up with. And then, you know, WWE making production, you know, look, you know, like. Like there's nothing wrong with the way Cornette produced his wrestling. It was like it was it was a cheap way to produce it, but you could see all the wrestling and you could do all that stuff. But um, but now you have you know decades of people watching wrestling, expecting um, all those lights and all those you know and the pyro and whether they have it or not and, and all that stuff. And um, and then you have indie shows that try to that try to do it half-assed or or you know don't have it. So it's like you can't. I don't know. It's tough. It's a lot tougher now, but you know, but it can be done. I mean, I think AEW is showing that you can, you know, you know, if you're willing to, if you're smart enough about building stars and if you're willing to pay the amount and you're coming through it, I know there are people that don't agree with it, you know, don't like it, but it's, um, so far it's until the pandemic, it was, um, it was well on its way to being major league for a different audience. And that's a, that's um that's what you've got to be. No, you make a point about the production value of. I mean, it, it, the WWE has made it so enormous that you know if you're if you don't even halfway try and you're a small organization, you just you look so third rate because of everything that they've made the production of it. So that's a that's a good point, um, Bruce. I got one other thing, man. We we're, we're almost gone an hour now, so I I was gonna talk to you a little bit about 1988 uh, NWA and '89, but I'll I'll save it for this because I know you were so fond of the American Dream Dusty Rhodes's booking. <laughs> I'm not making a joke when I say that, but. Uh, towards the end of 88, when, um, you know, Dusty gets spiked in the eye and then, you know, as we know, he ends up leaving in 89. Um, how were you, how were you feeling as far as were you happy that, OK, we don't have to put up with the dreams booking anymore? Because I think we've talked in the past and you just were like, oh, my God, um, this is getting kind of stale. Or what were your overall feelings 
um, in that time period, Dusty, they do the spike angle and then Dusty's eventually gone. You know, Turner obviously takes over, buys JCP. Uh, overall, your thoughts as I ask you all that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you, you had 86, 85 and 86 when Dusty's booking was on fire, when he was the top star. And he had, you know, he had the Full Horseman to sell for him. He had Midnight Express to sell for him. He had the Rock and Roll Express to stand by him and the Road Warriors to stand by him. But he was the number one guy. And I was going with my friends to, you know, from our session D, we were going to, um, we were going to the Greensboro Coliseum every single month and, um, and going to big shows. And then it turned in 87. People were starting, they were tired of the booking. They were tired of, they were tired of the heels getting beaten up and losing and keeping their titles by technicalities at every show. And particularly the same, you know, using the same dusty finish over and over and over again, where the fans, where we sit there and go, here come, you know, the referee would fall down and people would start and look looking at the, toward the back. Way. The whole audience would turn and look toward the back line. It was just amazing. But also, you know, as heel fans, we were laughing. You know, we'd laugh at the fans and go, well, you know, he kicked his ass. He won. You know, if he won, who's, the, you know, who's got the belt? You know, we just do that to, like, entertain ourselves. And they'd be mad as hell. But, but also, you'd be leaving the Coliseum and hearing this. These people ripped me off for the last time. I'm never coming back. And, the net, and like, I would keep up with the, um, you know, I got to where I could um, guesstimate the attendance. You know, go to the same building all the time, same setup. You could, you know, and you would hear what the attendance was. And I got to where I could, I was pretty good at it. I was like, I could, I could guess it within four or 500 every time. And, and part of being good at it was there was less people coming every month. It was going down. And so I didn't know I was getting an education, but I was getting it. And then you had, you had, you know, the um, full horsemen, they were cool. They had the suits. They were talking about living life and getting the women and, um, and you also had the rock and roll express where they sold that rock and roll express fan club and they had that huge poster and they had him sing that song. They had Ricky Morton sing that song and all that. And it turned the male fans against baby faces. And then you had dusty who was gaining weight, who wasn't working as hard in the ring, um, who would do things like they do the, um, you know, the, the, um, the course line, which was. Three guys, three major heels would jump into the ring, run at Dusty, run into his elbow. When Dusty would put up his elbow, fall down, Dusty would like move his elbow just a little bit, and then Dusty would go sit on the second turnbuckle because he was out of gas just doing that. And um, it got old. You know, it was like he was, he had pushed himself so hard, you'd seen so much of him that people were turning on him and, you know, midnight rider angle. I'll never forget. I went to um, the television taping in Dorton arena. They just started it. And I go and dusty comes, dusty comes out on a horse and he's not the midnight rider. And it's like, what the hell happened? And it was big. And, and then he went in. Um, then he did his promos in the locker room because he got booed so much. You had this baby face getting booed because it was, there was, it was clear. Dusty was, Dusty was like um, Fritz von Erich or um, or 
Dick the Bruiser or Vern Gagne, where he was going, not even Vern Gagne, but Dick the Bruiser or the Sheik, where he was going to push himself no matter what. There were 100 people there, and they lo- and the Crockett's lost all, everything. He was going to be the number one guy. You know, like He wasn't going to like adjust. And you had Ric Flair, who needed to be the babyface, who needed to be the number one guy, and, um, and was the number one guy. And even now, people remember him as the number one guy, but he wasn't. He was the, the heel. The baby, you know, you know, the Hulk Hogan was Dusty Rhodes. And, and so, you know, just, you know, and Dusty was nasty about it. He, he thought he was, you know, he was entitled to all that. And so, um, instead of stepping aside, you had 1988 where Dusty Rhodes is involved in every angle that the promotion is running. And everybody who comes out and does a promo talks about Dusty Rhodes. Yep whether they have their thing or not. And it's not working. It's one thing if he's like, if he's Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania, if he's Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, at the height of that, I mean, like, okay, great. You're making a a huge amount of money. If he's Dusty Rhodes in the seventies in Florida, but he ran out of the string there. If he's Dusty Rhodes in 85 and, and Jim Crocker promotions nationwide, that's, you know, that's fine. But, um, he, he burned it too fast. And, and so by 88, 89, and I was, and, and I Bruce, and Bruce, the- he would curse, he would not curse, but he would, he would, there was a fat, there was a fat lady in the studio in 88. He would make fun of the lady on national TV. Yeah, fat lady. Shut up, you fat lady. I'm gonna get you. Like I've posted these promos on Twitter. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. So I just wanted to interject there as you're no, talking okay. about that. Yeah. That, that. You know, that's your baby face doing that to, to some fat woman in the audience. Oh yeah. No, we get cussed by him. I mean, if you. <laughs> the um the hundred thousand dollar Tully Blanchard thing, the, yeah, I remember. Funny, like they cut some of what he said. <laughs> I mean, it was you know, um, he, he but yeah, he thought he was entitled to it. He didn't always earn it, and and then um, and so he was you know we knew what was going on. Like I was reading, I was talking to Dave Melson, I was reading the Observer, and I you know we were a good source for what was going on at and and Crockett. We weren't in the, in the locker room or wrestlers or anything like that. Don't get me wrong, but, but we knew what was, you know, we knew what was going on. And, and so I actually, my job sent me to West Virginia. And so I remember going and I lived there for about a year and a half. And, and I was up there talking in 89, like every day about what was happening with Crockett and they were losing money and then knew they had to sell and dusty, Dusty doubled down on himself instead of, you know, instead of pushing Luger, instead of pushing Sting, instead of turning Ric Flair or, you know, even using the guys in, in, um, that came from UWF from Bill Watts's promotion and freshening things up. Um, you know, Tully Blanchard had gone to, um, the Crockett's and said, look, you gotta do something about Dusty. And they kicked him off the plane. Um, and, and, and all that, I was like, they got to do something with Rhodes. And then he was told, no, you know, told that, that TBS was buying it and it became Dusty versus Ric Flair. Dusty was trying to get rid of Ric Flair. And I knew that like, I knew that like before Starcade, the deal was that, um, that Dusty was going to, you know, have the match with, um, you know, had the match of the road wars, but he was going to have Rick Steiner, um, you know, be the, be the, um, the guy who faces Ric Flair. He was going to make him the new baby face out of the varsity club. And he was going to beat him. He was going to beat Flair in five minutes. And the deal was he needed somebody that was tough enough to beat Ric Flair in five minutes. Rick Steiner was 
Like he wanted to just like squash him. And, um, and, and then Steiner would be the new star and, and work Flair out of the promotion too, and work Tully Blanchard out of there and, you know, and, and consolidate his power because he and Flair were fighting and, you know, and Dusty had been taught and he thought that like having, turning the road warriors heel and having them, um, stab, stab him in the eye and doing all that blood and this big angle on TBS, the angle would get so hot that TBS couldn't fire him, that he would be the big star and he would have the power. And even though they told him no blood, they told him not to do it. They told him, you know, no, you're not going to be the booker when this time, you know, when we take over and, and all that, he would get to keep all his power. And that was his gamble. And it didn't work. And that's why when you, um, and, and so, um, they did have the hot thing with Lex Luger and, and, and flair. So, but, but when they went, they went, you know, and it was Ted Turner said, I want Ric Flair. Like they wanted Ric Flair. If it was Ric Flair or Dusty, they wanted Ric Flair. And they told Ric Flair, like they knew that he needed to like win some and that he was going to be the baby face. You know, they brought in Ricky Steamboat first and they're bringing in, they're bringing in Terry Funk. All that stuff was really smartly done, but the, but the promotion was on its ass. It wasn't, it wasn't drawing. And, um, and so they told, they told Flair, we want you to beat Lex Luger and we want you to beat him clean. And it was Flair who at Starcade said, no, um, he had to put whatever it was. He put his foot on his ropes or something like there was, he gave, he gave Lex Luger an out. But if you look at Dusty and Sting versus the Warriors, it just wasn't any. It, it wasn't a big deal because they knew, like, it didn't work, and it was already done. That that Dusty was already making the deal to go back to Florida and run a promotion with um and try to revive Florida Championship Wrestling with Gordon Soley, and, and that didn't work either. Dusty, you know, Dusty was um, Dusty pushed himself too hard, and and people got sick of him. And, you know, he could talk and it was all that stuff, but he couldn't perform. And then you can't, you know, you can't have a two hour show where the, where one person is featured all the time, you know, much of any kind of show. And, and that certainly was the case, you know, that was the case then. And so it was a matter of where they, but what I didn't see coming and nobody could know was Jim Hurd and was mm. the idea that, um, <laughs> and was TBS and, you know, even Eric Bischoff talking about it now, it's like, you know, TBS and corporate corporations that don't wrestling is this singular thing type of entertainment and corporations don't understand it. And what they think is, Oh, let's make it fun. Let's do that funny stuff. Let's do that. Which is exactly wasn't what doesn't draw the money. And so, um, you know, the, that was the beginning of corporate wrestling, and corporate wrestling has not been um, good for professional wrestling at all. Yeah, it was a double-edged sword in a way. I mean, like, I, I, I'm with you. Dusty just exhausted me by the end, but at the same time, you know, and, and then him just making it worse by all the guys cutting promos, talking about him when they come out, and then... You know, he's 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 a quote unquote, your top baby face is mocking fat, you know, fans in the audience, in the studio and just making a joke of them. It's just that part. Just like, uh, come on, man. It's not all Even about you. Quintessential. Like there was always this thing about wrestling that if you met the wrestlers, like I remember like years ago, I'd hear this, this was before I met the wrestlers. And what you would hear was the bad guys were decent. 
it was the good guys that were that were pricks. And now I kind of understand why, because you know the good guys got driven crazy in certain ways. But Dusty was the epitome of that. Yeah, he and yeah. he had some he had some mood swing issues and that kind of thing. But he was, um, yeah, he could get nasty. I was like, and, and he's one of the best wrestlers, one of the best attractions I've ever seen. And, and, and when he, when he was on and when he did stuff, I mean, he was great. And, but oh, he was yeah. also like really selfish and it really, you know, it, it, I talked to the Crockett's, um, about it on at that star cast. And it was, um, you know, they went with him too long. It was time for him to become, the, you know, as, as Vince man would talk about Hulk Hogan, the Babe Ruth figure and be the legend. And he wouldn't, um, move to the side. And it was, um, it was really, you know, it, it, you know, he had to beat Lex Luger. He had to beat every, every big star that came along. He had to team with them or beat them. You know, he had to team up with the road wars and, and he had to, um, you know, he had to beat Nikita Koloff at, at, at arm wrestling. He had to, you know, it was like, he had to be the guy every single time. And, People got, you know, and he had to show up the Rock yeah. and Roll Express. So like the, the crew got tired of it. Fans got tired of it. And, uh, you know, sometimes a little, go, uh, you know, sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder. A little goes a long way. Oh, definitely. Have you ever heard the Tony Schiavone story? And I don't remember if this was the Bunkhouse Stampede 88 or which pay-per-view or event this was. But Tony Schiavone tells the story of, of uh, Tully Blanchard being so angry with Dusty. He says something like, uh, I wish Dusty would book himself against himself and fuck himself. Like he, he was so frustrated with with the American dream and the booking, I guess, at that point. And I think that was in 88. Uh, I'm not 100% yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was around the time he got kicked off the plane and all that. Yeah. There's yeah. like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good way to say it. And that and that sentiment was not just a Tully Blanchard sentiment. And it wasn't right. just a heel sentiment or a babyface sentiment. It was a lot of people, a lot of fans, and a lot of fans. You know, and and back then you didn't have this. Um, you didn't. You know, now you have this. I'm a wrestling fan. It's my religion. It's my duty to watch a bad wrestling show on Monday nights every night. You know that that kind. You know, there's this brand right. loyalty, whatever you want to call it. Back then, it was like people just quit. You know, like, like you pissed them off. They went, they went to the movies, they went to something else, you know, they just didn't. And so, um, yeah, there was a lot of fans that were like that too. And there was, you know, and, and, and there were fans in the arena, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't John Cena, Cena sucks. Um, let's go Cena. It was dusty really does suck. And, 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 you know, and the promotion was built around the, the best wrestlers, with the exception of Barry Windham, selling for the, um, you know, selling for the, the baby faces. And so you got that too. I mean, and it was fantastic. And rock and roll were, you know, really good baby faces, but, and, and Ronnie Garvin was good too, but it was like, you know, it was like, you know, dusty getting fatter and lazier and, and being able as an athlete to do just enough to like show somebody up. It, you got tired of it. It was like, you know, you're getting cheap and they were, they were um, doing things like cheating time on shows and and all this kind of stuff. It was like they, you know, it was it was wasn't good, it wasn't good. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Know, we like I look back on it now, and if they'd expanded in '86 and moved Dusty to the side, then maybe they would have had a better fight. I mean, I you know, I guess they would have lost in the end, but they gave you know they gave WWF a hell of a run. 
you know, they were the number two and it was always going to be one, you know, one company or no companies left. And, um, and so when they needed to, you know, when they needed, they had the television stations, but they needed the cash to expand the business. They didn't have it. They were losing money because, you know, 85 and 86, they were making money, you know, they were doing great business and then they just, you know, they went with it too long. And then also you got, you know, now most matches are back to having clean finishes and, and back then they never beat anybody, you know, like the Crockett's never, you know, Dusty didn't beat anybody. And that, that got to be old too. That got to be, you know, what's the excuse to lose and, and, and keep the belt on the guy that lost. And, and that got, that got boring. Well stated, Bruce. Bruce, one other question, and we can do this one real quick uh, before I let you get out of here. Um, we just on it hasn't aired yet. It's going to air next Thursday night. We just reviewed the episode where Steamboat comes in January twenty first, nineteen eighty nine, and yeah. we got into a discussion. Um, the, my two co-hosts and I. The thing is, none of us were observer readers, and uh, nor were we torch readers at the time. And I still haven't ever had a subscription to the Observer. Don't tell Meltzer that. Anyway, um, my question is, we were talking about it, and we were like, hey. It had to be commonly known, like we didn't know at the time when we were watching 89, but it had to be commonly known. Uh, do you know if 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 Dave had reported that, hey, Steamboat's coming in uh, at that time? I'm sure he did, but I, I'm wondering if you know that. Um, it wasn't commonly known. I think he had. Okay. I think so. I'm trying to remember. I, I And I, like I said, I was, you know, at that point I was talking to him a lot too. Um, and um, yeah, I think it had, but it wasn't. But I, but you know, for me, um, as someone from the Carolinas in the seventies who became a who became an obsessed real fan of professional wrestling because of those two, and thinking I'd never see them, uh, you know, face each other again, um, and then for him to come back and do that, I mean, I was, believe me, I was thrilled. Like I was like, it didn't like it didn't. You know, I was like, okay, I'm trying to remember if I knew that was the show or not. I think I might have, but if I did, it was only a day or two before or something, or I just read it. But um, um, that was, you know, Steamboat and, and Flair. And um, and the biggest impact was in the 70s, not in the 80s. I know the people, right. you know, the end of the 80s, I know, like, those are three legendary matches, and they deserve it, and there's some other, you know, legendary matches there, and they were, but to me, they're the, they're the baby face and, and heel side of a great coin. And, um, and Flair, I always thought was a great baby face too. Like that was the, that was what really hooked me, but, um, them as a team, but it was, um, yeah, Steamboat. And that was, and that was a simple way to do it. You know, it was, um, and, you know, and, and just, you know, you knew Flair was really happy because it was his favorite opponent and God knows it should have been. So. It was a it was a great that episode January twenty first is actually only was only one hour on TBS that Saturday night so forty five minutes without commercials but it's a very good episode um, if you have the network go watch it uh, obviously and uh, we'll be reviewing it uh, it'll probably drop after this show drops but yeah it's it's it was good stuff so um, Bruce anything you'd uh, like to plug before you get out of here I appreciate your time again man this was great I'm just um, I'm on Twitter at Mitchell PW Torch and um, PWTorch.com and PWTorch.com um, slash go VIP 
bunch of podcasts, um, all kinds of things to read from the last 40 years and, and writing every week and, and all, you know, just wrestling always changing and always staying interesting. So, um, I hate empty arena wrestling. I don't think it works, but, um, I, that day will pass too. So we'll it see will stuff goes. And I was a fan of Smoky Mountain wrestling. I, I have my complete collection. Um, it's, it, you know, I have, I have a lot of respect for what was done then. Yeah, no, and I'm glad. I, I, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a while, and with it coming to a close, I'm glad we had this discussion. That way we can talk about the things we agree and disagree on, but this was good, yeah. and this is why you don't do these things over Twitter and argue with your friends and people you respect because uh, you won't get anything resolved. But this was real good, man. I, I appreciate that. And one other thing, uh, you're talking about uh, PW Torch VIP. Uh, Bruce has a lot of great history out there on that VIP feed. It's um, it's I've learned a lot from it so uh, i just want to mention that it's it's some really good appreciate stuff uh, really yeah, appreciate you, you you um you've done some 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 hellified dives into lots of different things and things that i had no clue about uh because you know i was a mid-south guy and now i guess you can consider me a smoky mountain guy as well but there were things you know from mid-atlantic and other areas that i was just like man that's pretty awesome so um Bruce, and if and if you follow Bruce on Twitter, let me warn you: don't take everything he says literally. He he's <laughs> no, don't God no. Like, you know, that drives, like, I'm just like, have you ever heard a tongue in cheek? And sometimes it's like I do. I, I try to say like the dumbest thing with the straightest face, and I was like, and thinking it's obvious. So like, oh God, no, no, okay. But yeah, I mean, you're right. And there are things that, like there are things that, to me like are too comp. They're too complicated to talk about on Twitter. You know, like sometimes. Yeah. Twitter to me is just like, you know, smart aleck comment, smart aleck comment, smart aleck comment. And, and, and every once in a while, like something kind of serious, but it's like, oh, you know, good night. Yeah. If you take, yeah, don't, please don't <laughs> take it all. Oh, uh, but no, I appreciate it again, Bruce. Uh, thank you very much for, for joining me tonight. This was, this was a lot thank of fun. You'll have to come back again. Yeah, cool deal. All right. Yeah. Let me know. <laughs>